1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read today verses 1 through 11. I want you to stay with me because we're going to cover a little bit more than that. Um, this message is going to be a little different than the previous messages in Corinthians. We've been talking about the reality and the remedy. Um, with all of these different issues, today we're going to focus on the reality. Next week, we'll come back and focus on the remedy from these same verses. And then we'll eventually get to chapter 14. And if in my study, I'm, the Lord will reveal if 14 is for me or if it's for me for a message for you guys. Um, but whatever it is, we're going to trust God with it. Lauren Daigle uh, recorded a song titled First. The lyrics give us some very practical wisdom. The, verse, the first verse says, before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Before I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you. I want to find you in every season in every moment. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart and seek you first. The course uses the words I want to seek I want I want to seek you, I want to keep you more than anything, I want you first. Now wouldn't it be wonderful? <laughs> If we lived in a world, if we lived in a time where every born-again believer, this was the norm for them, that before anything that we done, before we ever went to the Lord with our need, we sought him first. You may be saying, well, I do that, I, and that's fine. I, I, I appreciate it, and I'm, great, I'm grateful that you do that. But I'm talking about if every born-again believer in the world done this, I believe it would turn the world upside down. But sadly, we find even in this passage that some of the believers in Corinth, they didn't seem to be as focused on Jesus as they were on spiritual gifts. Not just the spiritual gifts that they possessed, but also the spiritual gifts that others possessed. So let's look at this passage today. As we look here in chapter 12, in verses 1 through 11, the Bible says, <coughs> Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all of these Distributing to each one individually as he wills. This is God's holy word. God, as we come before you today, we thank you for your word. Now we pray, God, that the the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, that it would be pleasing unto you. God, we take we ask that you would take the broken words that would be said today in fixed form and fashion them in each heart. God, we pray for those of us who know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that you would edify us today. Those who don't know you, God, we pray that you would convict today to where today they would give their life to you. And God, we'll give you praise for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, by now, we, with all the recent messages that we went through together and through through first corinthians i would think that it's safe to assume that that we all know the corinthian church was facing a lot of problems and they were facing problems that could really tear the church apart as we approach chapters 12 13 and 14 we find that one of the most serious problems is the issue of spiritual gifts Now, the problem was so serious that Paul devotes three chapters to the spiritual gifts. When we think of spiritual gifts, we should not think of problems. When we think of spiritual gifts, we should think of God being glorified, Christ being magnified, and the church being edified through these gifts. But instead... We find the reality is that spiritual gifts can cause division. That's the reality. It doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? That spiritual gifts can actually cause division within a church. Now, we can't neglect the reality that spiritual gifts uh, are real. We can't neglect the reality of these spiritual gifts. Scripture speaks of them. As a matter of fact, if, and I, I'm pretty sure there won't be, but if any Baptist preachers hear this message today, they may want to call me and, and ask me where am I headed in the next messages because they're going to think that I'm probably not Baptist, but I want you to know I am. But I believe the Scripture. And the Scripture says here that there were spiritual gifts given to the church. And there are spiritual gifts. We can't deny that. Gifts are very special gifts and abilities that come from God. Often gifts are confused with natural ability or 
talent, we would call it. But spiritual gifts are given to a person when they first come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord or Savior. Sometimes it's built on top of some talent, but it's a spiritual. You've heard someone sing, and they've had, they seem to have all this talent. It sounds good, but then they come to know Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden it sounds different. There's an anointing on that singing that really moves you whenever you hear them. It's not something that just sounds good. But it's something that's powerful and reaching the throne of God. We can understand at that point that there's a spiritual gift that's taking place in that person. That's just one example. (laughs) However, spiritual gifts, while they often differ from talent... And they're given at the time of which we receive Christ as our Savior. They are gifts given by the Holy Spirit that enables us as believers of Jesus Christ to serve him in the church and in the world. Understand this. Spiritual gifts aren't given for profit. Spiritual gifts are given for edification. They're given for magnification. They're given for glorification, but not for profit. What do you mean by that? It means that we shouldn't be seeking what belongs to God through our spiritual gifts. Does that mean we can't go and record an album? No. That doesn't mean that. Does that mean that we can't go and minister to other people? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that if our purpose is for profit, then we missed the mark when it comes to spiritual gifts. Then we're going to rely on talent. So, if the spiritual gifts are given to the church... For ministering to the people, it's safe to assume that there should never be any controversy with the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts should never be abused, but they should be used for God's glory. The Apostle Paul tells us here, In 1 Corinthians verses 4 and 9, in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, chapter 1, verses 4 and 9, he says, I thank God for how he had enriched the Corinthian church. He had, they had received such grace by Jesus Christ that they, Paul says that they came up short in no gift. And here in chapter 12, for our reading, we read in verses 8 through 10, all the spiritual gifts that Paul mentioned as it related to the church in Corinth. He says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. He gives this list, but I would caution us that this is not a exhaustive list. There are other 
gifts. If Paul tells the Corinthian church in chapter 1 that God has not held back any gift from you, then we have to realize that those gifts that are mentioned in Romans 12 and the gifts that are mentioned in Ephesians 4 are probably in this church also. And if all of these gifts are in the church, this is a blessed church. This church has the ability to be the the center point of the world. It had the ability to really, really glorify God in everything they were doing, but they were allowing these gifts to divide them. Well, the problem in in Corinth was that all these gifts, they should have unified them. But they weren't unifying. They were divided over the gifts. So what was it about these gifts that was causing division? Well, first, we want to just think for a few moments. It seems, it appears that perception can lead to division over spiritual gifts. In verses 1 through 3 here in chapter 12, Paul begins saying, I do not want you ignorant. He reminds them, and he's not being... He's not being mean. He's not being cold. He's not being brash. If you're living in that day, you understand that, that all Paul is saying, I don't want you to be without knowledge. I want you to understand. Now, if I say that to somebody today, they're going to think I'm insulting them. But, but actually, Paul was not insulting them. He was encouraging them. He reminds them that when they come out of worshiping idols, they worship idols who were false or Paul called them dead. Now, again, we might think that Paul is insulting their idols, but that's not what he's doing when he calls them dumb. Uh, he, 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 what Paul is saying is that they're dumb because they have no voice. They're dumb because they can't communicate back to the people. He's saying that they're, they're, these Gentile converts, they, they were at one time they had worshipped a God that could not do anything for them. They couldn't encourage them. They couldn't lift them up. They couldn't give them peace or joy. They couldn't speak to them in a way that God can speak to us. So, uh, so with this, their entire worship was emotionally driven. Now I got your attention, don't I? Now they have a risen Savior, one who is alive and well. One who leads, guides, and directs them through the power of the Holy Spirit. John 16 and 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In verse 13 of that same chapter and same book, he says, When the he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. However... In their worship, it appears that someone, supposedly speaking in the Spirit, who obviously wasn't speaking in the Spirit, called Jesus Christ accursed. That word accursed means to be under a curse. And to suggest that Jesus Christ is under a curse, this is... Oh, it's blasphemy within itself. 
So here in, in Corinth, the problem was that these emotionally driven false worship was being perceived by the, by the others there of being true worship. It appeared that they had twisted what Paul had said in Galatians 3 and 13 when he said Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. That was, Paul was given an illustration of Jesus Christ going upon a cross, being crucified where God himself had to turn his back upon his son so he wouldn't turn his back upon us. Jesus was never under a curse but he became a curse so that we we would be able to have life to call Jesus a curse is is to twist the truth of the message of the gospel we can't even know the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit revealing this to us we all remember this in Matthew chapter 16 we remember the account of where Jesus is talking to his disciples and and he he says to them who are men saying that I am and they, they say well some say that you are John the Baptist some say you are Elijah some even say Jeremiah or one of the prophets but Jesus then pointedly looked at those boys and said, who do you say I am? And there's Peter who spoke up first when everybody else was wondering, who is he? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And God, Jesus' response to that was, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven, he has revealed this. Folks, I want us to understand this and be very clear. No one comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit of God. revealing to them that Jesus is Lord well wait a minute preacher I was raised in the church all my life I was from the time I could I from the time I come from my mother's womb I've been at church I've heard everything that that, that they've said about Jesus and and I I just I I know all about him because listen I want us to be clear with this if we haven't had an encounter with Jesus Christ we've never been saved nobody was born saved and nobody just becomes saved. We, we become saved when Jesus, when Jesus reveals himself through the power of the Holy Spirit to share with us that we're lost and undone on our way to a demon's hell. And until then, we call out to a Savior that we believe is Jesus Christ, being God's only son, being born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died for our sin, raised in victory, and now has called us to himself. I don't get saved. I was called to be saved too many people in churches everywhere have a head knowledge of who Jesus Christ but they've never had an encounter with him and their worship is being perceived as something true when it's nothing but false they're using talent rather than the anointing of God they're using abilities that was given to them at birth rather than using the gift of God and they're they're disguising it to where everyone else is perceiving that they're actually saved. Well, <laughs> we can't allow ourselves to be carried away by emotion or the worship through emotions. Man, I, I now listen to me. <laughs> I love it when you're clapping your hands. I love it when you're standing on your feet. I love it when you're saying amen and you're raising your hands. It it helps me. (laughs) But I'm going to preach whether you do or don't. (laughs) 
says, you ought to know me by now. I'm going to do it whether you do it. So it would really help me if you'll just get on board and let's do it. But I, when I say let's do it, let's do it in spirit and in truth. In other words, let's make sure we're being moved by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. I believe he's moving us when we're, when we're agreeing with his word. I believe he's moving us when we're saying amen because we're agreeing with his word. When we have to stand up and clap, it's because we're agreeing with his word. I believe he's moving us to do those things. And we shouldn't be ashamed to do them. The reality is we can't allow our emotions, but we can allow the spirit to move us. However, when the Holy Spirit leads us in worship through our spiritual gifts, we should obey no matter where we are. It shouldn't matter who's next to us. It shouldn't matter who's around because it's about him and not about us. It's about our Lord and Savior. When we humble ourselves and give ourselves to him, we let him have his way with our lives. We have no idea how God really wants to bless us. And when we are fully obedient to him, he will truly pour his blessings out to us. But if we allow our emotions to lead us and not the Holy Spirit, our worship would be no more than a counterfeit worship. And if that takes place, then the Holy Spirit who resides in every believer will not bear witness to what's going on. And all it'll do is cause confusion. And by the way... (laughs) Chapter 14 and 33 in 1 Corinthians tells us that God is not the author of confusion. As believers, we must be careful to speak or proclaim the true message of God. We must be careful that our spiritual gifts do not appear to be true but are false. Yeah, perception, it can cause division. But not only perception, preference can lead to division over spiritual gifts. Preference, what do I mean by preference? Well, as we continue in the passage, we can't help but notice the lengths that the Apostle Paul goes to in order to help the Corinthian church to understand that spiritual gifts... that they had received were not given to them to divide them it was given to them so that they would be unified but it appears that the church was more focused on their preference of gifts than the unity that the gifts bring so Paul uses the physical body to illustrate just why the believers should thank God that they all do not have the same gift He begins reminding them that they're all collectively baptized into the spirit of God, into one body. But individually, they're different members within the body. So if we serve the body as an ear or an eye, we we should be grateful to have the opportunity that God would pour his gracious love upon us and give us the opportunity to serve in this complex body that he has created called the church. No matter what gift he's given us, we ought to be just grateful for that gift and be willing to use it for his glory. If we serve the body as an ear, if we serve the body as an eye, we should be grateful. For the whole body cannot be made up 
of ears. The whole body, if it was made up of ears, you know how chaotic it would be? All the church could do is hear the word of God. They could not proclaim the word of God. They could not share the word of God. They could not testify to the word of God. All they'd be able to do is hear if we all had that one gift to be the ear. Aren't you glad we're not all ears? We're not all noses or eyes. We're not all hands and feet. But we are somewhere in the body. And wherever it is we are, then we give God glory for it. You know, it's God who decides. Paul wants them to understand it's God who decides who receives what gift. And, and God does not give us gifts to punish us. If we're looking at the gifts of others and thinking that we would prefer their gift, hmm, we'd prefer their gift over God's gift. That would say that we know more than God. Hmm. You know, we're actually missing a couple points here. We're missing one is that, that there's no gift greater than the other. Now, you read this laundry list here and then go to Romans and then go to Ephesians and you're going to wonder, I don't know, preacher. Some of those gifts are very different than others. Well, you're right. They are different. But I've come to notice when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. You ever had a headache? Your whole body suffers. If you've never had a migraine, count yourself blessed. Because your whole body suffers from a migraine. Y'all know I've had three knee surgeries on my right knee. My next surgery on my right knee will be to replace that right knee. And you know what I'm going to do? At the same time, they're going to replace my left knee. Because over the years, with all the pain that I've been in, I've overcompensated on my left knee. Because of the pain I was in on my right knee. And now my left knee is actually weaker than my right knee. Though I've had no surgery on it. If I sit down for a while at my desk. If I sit in a vehicle for an extended length of time. When I get out or I try to stand up. My feet, my legs, my hips, my back don't all work the way they're supposed to. It takes me a few steps of holding on to something. And when, I, when I've taken a few steps, then everything seems to be working fine. Now, I, I know that when it takes more and more steps, I've got to really do something. <laughs> but right now, it's just taking a few. And then I can let go and I can go on. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. You know how strong we are as a body of believers? As strong as our weakest link. That's as strong as we are. No matter what gift we have. You know the other thing is. We miss the point that God doesn't ordinarily gift us in our natural abilities. <laughs> you know what was not mentioned in these spiritual gifts? Music. Because that may be the exception. But it's not mentioned here. But what I do know is natural ability. Or natural talent. Usually it's not where God gives us our spiritual gifts. You know why? It would be easy for us. It would be, man, talk to my classmates and they'll tell you I'm the last one in the group that thought I would do what I'm doing. I would be the one out of place and out of character. This isn't natural for me. 
And this, this took a lot of, a long time of God calling. From the time I was 15 till I was 31 or 30 when I surrendered the call. Because I know this isn't me. And what I've come to understand is we're not gifted in our natural ability so that when we use our spiritual gifts, then God has to receive all glory for it because we can't do it without him. We heard Brother Don up here saying that he couldn't be a teacher if we'd have known him before. He couldn't be a teacher. We'd have never guessed him to be a teacher, but God gifted him in that area because God gifted him in that area. He, everything that he does in the classroom, it, it, it just magnifies Jesus Christ and it glorifies glorifies God because he knows he couldn't do it without them working through him when we exercise our spiritual gifts in a manner that glorifies and magnifies Christ and edifies the body of believers we can only do it when we're totally reliant on the Holy Spirit otherwise we're just ministering in our own talent and too often then the glory is misplaced and that leads us to our third point. That not only <coughs> do we see that perception and preference can lead to division over, sp over spiritual gifts. But we also see where pride can lead to division over spiritual gifts. Everyone wants to be appreciated. Y'all don't? Everyone wants to be appreciated. <laughs> you know, a little recognition goes a long way. It can be extremely motivating <laughs> when we're recognized a little bit. But there are those, believe it or not, you know, it, you know we hang out here, so we don't know anybody like this. But there are those who... That's just not enough. They've got to have the spotlight. You know, we don't know people like that. But there are people like that. Y'all do know that, don't you? There are people who they just have to have the spotlight. They, we call this having a spotlight demon. That no matter where they are, they've got to be the center of attention. I'm trying not to say this. You know, I've witnessed some things. I'm at this point in my life. If I can't be taught, I can't teach. If I can't be preached to, I can't preach. But we have preachers and I'm saying this as carefully as I can because I'm not where they're at and what one man is subject has done I'm subject to do it too but we have preachers who can't be taught they can't be preached to what I mean is if they have to leave a church they can't sit under preaching they have to go start a church or find a church in a hurry or they'll cause trouble in the church that they go back to because they can't be preached. Mm. Mm. Do we understand what I'm talking about with pride can get in the way of our spiritual gifts? Like I said, I'm not there and I need you to pray for me. 
that if I ever get there, no matter what age I am, that I'm able to trust God. You know, I've met preachers that have done just that, have went years in between their pastorate. And all they done was sat under another preacher. And then when God was ready to bless them, to become a pastor again, they, God just poured his blessing upon that ministry because they were patient. They didn't allow pride to get in the way. Truth is, there are some gifts that will spotlight, spotlight more than others. Having the gift of ministry may not seem to be the same as having the gift of prophecy. Ministry is done in the background. Prophecy is done out front. Having the gift of giving liberally. You know that's a gift, don't you? Well, everybody would do it. I promise you, everybody don't do it. (laughs) But people will look at that different than they look at the gift of exhortation. People will look at having the gift of leading with diligence different than they look at speaking in tongues. People will look at showing mercy different than they do at interpreting tongues. People will look at the gift of hospitality different than the gift of healing. But again, God has appointed these gifts to the church, not for anyone to be placed in a spotlight. Jesus is head of the church. So God's placed them in the church so God would get glory and Christ would be magnified. And we would be edified by those gifts. These gifts are not to be used to move up in ministry to the next bigger or better opportunity. These gifts are to edify the body. Paul shares that instead of seeking a spotlight, we should seek the very best gift. If you look in chapter 13, This chapter is read often, or at least portions of it is read often in weddings. It's called the love chapter. Can I help us really get an understanding of what this chapter is about? For those of you who may think it's about marriage, I want you to really catch hold of this. And I'm going to sum it up as quickly and as easily as I can. Paul tells them that that we can all have spiritual gifts, but if we fail in one thing, love, then we have nothing. That sums it up. We can have all the spiritual gifts that the Bible lists. But if we fail in love, we have nothing. He even goes as far as to say that every spiritual gift at some point will vanish away. And you know it will because we won't have need for them in heaven. And there's no need for them in hell. But there's one day they're all going to vanish away. But love will never vanish. Why? Because Paul, uh, he helps them to understand that love is not an emotion. Love is not a, a certain time in our lives. Love is not something that comes and goes. He's telling them that love is Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ is love. And he's eternal. (laughs) So the love that Paul is speaking of, being the greatest gift of all, is eternal. He is the greatest gift. God gave the world the greatest gift when he gave Jesus Christ. He had to leave heaven and come to this sin-cursed world. He had to be born of a virgin so that he wouldn't be scarred with the sin of a man. 
He, was, he lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death. He arose on the third day. That is, And he gives us hope that we can have eternal life if we put our faith in him. Man, what greater gift is there in the world? The gift of a mother, the gift of a father is not as great as the gift of Jesus Christ. The gift of a wife, the gift of a husband, the gift of a child is not as great as Jesus Christ. And contrary to popular belief, the gift of a grandchild is not as great as the gift of Jesus Christ. But we desire all of those things. We want them in our lives, but we need Jesus. And God gave him to us. He's the greatest gift. Man, when we need comfort, when we need peace, when we need joy, when we need love, when we need a shelter, when we need a refuge, when we need strength, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. We should desire the greatest gift. Here they're fussing over whose gift is, is more out front than others. And Paul says, just seek Jesus. We remember the story. In Acts 8, Peter and John heard that the people in Samaria had heard the word of God and they had been baptized so Peter and John go to Samaria and they asked them have you been have you received the Holy Spirit and their response was we haven't even heard of such they had been baptized in the name of Jesus only boy that settles it for those Jesus only folks too who say that it's Jesus only we don't say God. We don't say the Holy Spirit because it's Jesus. Well, Peter and John, if you read uh, Acts 8, you find that they laid hands on these people. And they received immediately the Holy Spirit. And while this took place, there was this sorcerer who stood off and he witnessed what was taking place. And he approaches them and asked if he could purchase that gift he knew that if he had that gift oh he could make a lot of money if he had that gift people would speak highly of him if he had that gift he'd stand out in the crowd but in Acts 8 and 20 Peter said your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money Simon desired to glory and he perceived that he would be able to acquire the gift of laying on hands. He had no desire in glorifying God. No desire of magnifying the name of Jesus. His only desire was to be glorified. But God and God alone is worthy to be glorified. No, we, we should seek love. We should seek to love our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We should seek to love each other as we love ourselves. In other words, we should just seek Jesus. If we seek Jesus, he'll take care of everything else. Jesus is the greatest gift we'll ever receive. And for you 
who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, continue to seek him. Continue to seek a more intimate relationship with him. Now, I have as much of Jesus in me as I'm going to get. The Holy Spirit abides in me. I can't get no more of the Holy Spirit, but I can, he can get more of me. I can have a cl- closer, more intimate relationship with him. I encourage you to trust him in the spiritual gifts that he's blessed you with and to use them for his glory. However, we know it's possible. It's possible, maybe even without our intent, that allowing, maybe we're allowing spiritual gifts to divide us a little bit. It's possible. It's possible that we could have the wrong perception of spiritual gifts. It's possible we could struggle with preference of spiritual gifts. It's also possible that we can allow our pride to get in the way of our spiritual gifts. I don't know where you're at. As every head's bowed, every eyes closed. I don't, I don't know where you're at. But I know this is possible. It was dividing this church. It was ripping this church apart. And the purpose of me going through the book of 1 Corinthians is so that we would avoid all of these issues that was ripping them apart so that we would remain unified. And I've got to ask, would you today, if you find yourself with the wrong perception, if you find yourself struggling with preference, if you find yourself feeling prideful, I'm talking to the church. This message is to the church. And this altar is open and this is a great time for repentance. Would you? It doesn't matter who's here. This is a time to be real with God. Nobody else matters in this moment but you and God if you are struggling I pray that you're not but if these are issues that you're dealing with let's make sure that we are not bringing these issues to the table as a local body of believers as they begin to sing this song would you also who are lost I want to encourage you to seek Jesus. For it was Jesus who did leave the splendor of heaven. It's Jesus who came to this sin-cursed world. It's Jesus who, who lived in full obedience, fulfilling the law of God. It was Jesus who had no sin of his own, but took upon the sin of the world for himself. It was Jesus who gave his life and died in our place, paying the penalty of our sin. It was Jesus who, who sacrificed himself so we could be forgiven. But he arose from the grave to give us victory also. So I ask you, will you today believe and confess and receive the greatest gift that God has ever given?